You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. John Henry Newman tells us, St. Hunt John Henry Newman tells us that the world is our enemy. It's an awfully aggressive thing for a nice reserved Englishman to say. So what does he mean by the world? And why is this seemingly wonderful place our enemy? By the world, he means the visible order of things. The affairs of individuals and towns and nations, the interchange of goods and services, everything in the visible world. So how could this world, which God himself proclaims to be good at the beginning of time in the creation, be our enemy? Well, the world is not the problem. We are the problem. So the wonders of the world just have a way of, of seducing us, drawing our eyes, distracting us from the one thing that matters. Yet our goal can't be to just leave the world, to be indifferent to it entirely. We're not Buddhists. We, we love the world for its goodness. So what do we do then? Our goal as Christians is to love it properly, which is simple and not easy. How do we do that? How do we love this world that so effectively draws our nature away from spiritual things into worldly distractions and fleeting interests? I think if we go to the gospel today, we will see how. And now I realize that the lesson that Jesus gives in the gospel today, as he introduces this parable, or really that Luke gives at the beginning of this parable, is not what I'm talking about in my homily. So, is what it is. Sorry, Lord. Uh, he says this parable is to those who are convinced of their own righteousness and despise everyone else. We're not going to talk about that. Okay, so we have a Pharisee and a tax collector in the temple. The Pharisee prays about how amazing he is uh, and realize the wording that the Pharisee offers this prayer to himself. He literally prays to himself. Uh, yet, the tax collector sends up this deeply fervent and repentant and hopeful and simple prayer to God, one that points to his deep sin, but also to God's deep mercy, who goes away justified, the tax collector. And it's not an obvious thing. Other, other than the fact that we, we, we have this feeling that the tax collector is probably a nicer guy to be around uh, than that Pharisee, doesn't seem like a very likable guy, but realize that the Pharisee is the model of the law. His very life, the life that he mentions in that prayer, is a model of the law, while the tax collector is really the scum of the earth. He makes his living by ripping off his fellow Jews on behalf of the Roman Empire. Not a good guy, by any sort of public opinion. Much like the offering of Cain and Abel, though, it's not the content of the prayer that matters. It's not what the Pharisee said, or even what... The tax collector said, it's the man offering the prayer that matters. The tax collector realizes who he is. He realizes who God is. And he realizes that though he's been caught up in the world for so long, that he's lived his life in a terrible way, he can call upon God for salvation. And the, the Pharisee doesn't even realize he needs salvation. So that's where we stand. But looking back at the question that I raised, how do we live in this world in a proper way? How do we not 
fall into either what the tax collector has fallen into or go to the depths that the, that the Pharisee goes to in his pride. How do we not be confused or seduced or addicted to the things of this world? I think the prayer that the tax collector sends up is the key. He says, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This simple prayer has for the last 2,000 years been the prayer by which innumerable Christians have called upon God unceasingly. There's an old spiritual work written by, we actually believe it was just a simple peasant, uh, called The Way of the Pilgrim. And this, this simple peasant introduces him by saying, himself by saying, By the grace of God, I am a Christian man. By my actions, a great sinner. Very relatable guy. So he goes into church one day and hears the epistle of St. Paul, where he tells the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. And he realizes that this, in many ways, is the key to the Christian life, to be able to pray without ceasing. But it's also not something that's obviously possible. Like, how, how do we go about praying unceasingly? What the heck... How are we supposed to do that without just leaving the whole world behind? How are we supposed to do that in the midst of the world? So in pursuing this idea of a life of unceasing prayer, he's introduced to the great tradition of the Jesus prayer, the core of which is this prayer in the gospel. The prayer he's introduced to is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So he goes on his pilgrim way speaking to monks and priests and scholars and simple laborers about the Jesus prayer, about how how they go about praying it unceasingly. And he hears the words of St. Simeon, who says that by these words, the Jesus prayer, you can carry your mind and your thoughts from your head to your heart. What a beautiful image, to carry your mind from your head to your heart. This is so much of the complication of our prayer life, that we are unable to speak heart to heart with Jesus. It becomes an act of the head, or we overthink it. Uh, or, perhaps, apart from that sort of intellectual versus heart, there's the buzzing of this world. You know, the, just living the modern life. There's so many things that are demanding our attention and our time. Uh, and we talk about it all the time, and yet we don't know what to do about it. How many times do you pick up your phone per day? There's, your phone will tell you that, how many times you pick it up per day. If you have an iPhone, it will tell you your average pickups per day. I'm guessing it's over 100. It's probably near 200. Uh, that's, that 214, I think, was the average of the students that I taught at Butte Central. 214 times picking up your phone. That's like every f- less than five minutes over the course of 24 hours. So you pack that into the amount of time you're actually uh, awake, and that's unreal. So those moments, every single one of them, When the world has slowed and there's suddenly a break between this thing and the next thing is an opportunity to commune with the living God in prayer. If only for a moment to say the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. These four short phrases measure out perfectly with our breathing. So on average, the human beings, well, I don't know if this is everyone, I, I have about 14 respirations per minute. Um, and I think that's fairly average. 
and that times out perfectly to the length of our respirations. Actually, the breath in, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It flows perfectly, even with the way that we breathe. It also contains within it the perfect praise of God. So the Jesus prayer is, you could say, the Lord's prayer in miniature, if the Lord's prayer takes a little bit too long for you. So the four titles of Jesus, first Lord, he's the Lord of this world. Nothing happens outside of his providence, and we can trust in him. And Jesus, he's entrusted us with his name. God has given us his name. And so invites us into that intimate friendship with him, as well as revealing his mission, for the name means to save or to rescue. Christ, Christus, the anointed one, sent by the Father, and he rules and judges justly the whole world and everything in it. And then Son of the living God. It speaks to sort of his relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit, which is an intimacy that's infinite. We can't fathom it, and yet we are invited into it. We're invited into that sonship. In particular, in the ascension of Jesus up into heaven. And then the second half of the prayer, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now we enter into the prayer ourselves, which is an invitation to mercy. And you might think, oh, well, what a negative thing. I'm just calling myself a sinner all day long. Not just a sinner, but a sinner who has received God's mercy. It's only by his mercy that God has won our hearts. It took 3,000 years for us to be one to the heart of God. And he, we were one by his passion and death. And so to relive that on a moment-to-moment basis, I'm not just a sinner. I'm a sinner who has been forgiven and redeemed. The Russians, weirdly enough, and don't take this the wrong way, they, the way they phrase it, it actually is more like, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, make love to me a sinner. Don't take that the wrong way. Don't get weird about it. But what it, it's just speaking to the deep intimacy that the Lord is calling us into. So Lord Jesus Christ, we'll stick with the American one. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. What a beautiful, what a beautiful depiction of mercy, though. And so the more we say this every moment of the day, the more deeply we're called into that beautiful relationship. So this week, seek out Jesus with this prayer. Pray it as often as you can in every spare moment. Instead of picking up your phone, you look, you've got the smartphone. You've got the Jesus prayer. Choose the Jesus prayer in that moment. And you could, you know, pray it on a rope. A rosary is a great, a great prayer rope. Uh, they also make prayer ropes, but use your rosary. And choose Christ in those moments. Your desires will change. Your priorities will change. Your anxieties will lessen. Your fears will calm. It's such a beautiful way to live our life. Bring the Lord into every single moment in such a beautiful and concrete way. So Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner.